life, the universe, and everything in between. The Weekend Variety Wireless with Ryan Bradley in for Graham Hill on Radio Live. Coming up this hour on the Weekend Variety Wireless, John Dibvig in with his letter from America. Lock her up. Why are we still hearing that at Trump rallies? I'm going to ask John soon. He's standing by, fired up as always, and so passionate about the USA, and just hating life under Donald Trump. We know that. Always learn something when I listen to John. We'll see what we learn tonight. And then Penny Howard. Auckland artist Penny Howard has, well, she's commissioned paintings of four outstanding women in New Zealand. And we'll talk to Penny after 10.30. She's coming in the studio too. So good hour, two guests, both in the studio. And we will have feature-length interviews with both of them. After 11 o'clock... A shipwreck tale from the archives. Looking forward to that too. This is the Weekend Variety Wireless. We head across the Pacific to the US of A. John Dibberg joins us next. You're tuned in. You're tuned in. To Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. A letter from America. Good evening, John. Hey, Ryan. How you going, brother? You good? I'm good. I'm good. And you? I'm always good. Always good. Always nice fired day up. Ready today. to go. What's that? It was a beautiful day today. Great day today. Hey, let me tell you this. Okay, yeah. we'll digress a bit. Here you go. I'm sitting on my deck. I got a nice deck. All right? It's very sunny. I'm mm. having avocado on toast with tomato and a cup of coffee with a pinch of salt. Come on. What are the poor people doing? Gee, many Christmas. <laughs> it was beautiful. It, Simple things. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I made myself a uh, a little kiwi fruit banana smoothie and sat oh, on my deck and was go. loving it. There you too, go. You're so. a lot more healthy than I am. Yeah, mm, <laughs> you didn't know what I did last night. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, you're a lot younger than me. <laughs> the epitome of dirty, dirty politics. Dirty, dirty politics. Now we're going to take our time here with this one, folks, because okay. we're going to explain it to you. Uh, this week, there's going to be a huge Senate Judiciary public hearing between. Kavanaugh, Kevin Kavanaugh, I don't know if his first name is Kevin, his last name is Kavanaugh, he's going, he's a Supreme Court nominee, and he's a very conservative, and Trump only picked him because he had written a paper saying that presidents can't be subpoenaed or indicted, and that's the only reason that Trump picked this guy, very conservative. There are nine Supreme Court justices, right now there are one uh, Kennedy is going to retire. And generally speaking, there's four conservatives, four liberals, and some guy in between. So you, right. so it kind of goes, you know, a balance. But there's four liberals now and four uh, conservatives. And this Kavanaugh guy is ultra, ultra conservative. So if the Republicans get him on, then the court for the next generation goes their way, you know. So, mm. I mean, like anti-abortion. He, you know, we have a, a law in the books in the states that's been there since the 70s called Roe versus Wade, which allows abortion in, in America. And the Republicans, you know, the men in particular, are always worried about what women are doing with their bodies, and they always want to overturn this. And so now you can bet down the line this might be overturned. So, you know, you're, there you go. But that, that would be a huge, huge step back. Huge step back. Huge step back. I mean, you can't even contemplate, I don't, really. I don't think the women in America would allow that to happen, but yeah. if they're ceding yeah. control... Ceding control, but, you know, what What can you do? You know, so anyway, so there's a woman that has accused Kavanaugh of trying to rape her when he was in high school, okay? 
So that's, you know, that's a big, uh, you know, black mark against you. So she's coming up this Thursday to testify in front of the Judiciary Committee, 11 old men Republicans. So this is going to be, you know, this is going to be the big show in America this week. Okay, now we're going to backtrack here a little bit, okay? Mm. We're going to backtrack. 27 years ago, this same scenario happened. Clarence Thomas, a conservative judge was going for the Supreme Court nomination. And a woman by the name of Anita Hill, who worked for him, young gal, all of a sudden came out and said that he sexually harassed her. So they had, they had a huge hearing then. It was a three-day hearing. They interviewed multitude of witnesses. Mm. The FBI investigated the case. Two men on that committee, Orrin Hatch, who was a senator from Utah, he said that it is very, very appropriate for the FBI to investigate this case before we have the hearing. Another man on that committee, Chuck Grassley from Iowa, congressman from Iowa, mm-hmm. he said the very same thing. And the reason we know this is it's on tape. And the reason that we've seen this is because our free press, which asshole Trump keeps saying is the enemy of the people, has brought this to our attention so that we can relive it and see what these men said 27 years ago. Because today, this week, Orrin Hatch is now 84. He's still a, he's still a senator. Chuck Grassley is 85. Now, all wow, of a sudden... they're still alive. Still alive. Still, still cantankerous. But now, 27 years later... Dr. Ford, the woman who was accusing Kavanaugh of trying to rape her, mm. he says that the FBI, she wants an FBI investigation before they have the hearing. And both Warren Hatch, Orrin Hatch, and Chuck Grassley have both said, nope, 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 the FBI doesn't do that. Nope, they don't do that. But they said it 27 years ago. They said it 27 years ago. years ago. Same exact scenario. But they want to get this guy in. They de- they want to get him in. Now listen to this. This woman is coming up to testify on Thursday of this week. Mitch McConnell, who is the leader of the Senate, a Republican, one of the biggest assholes, almost in par with Trump. It might be a bigger asshole because he's been around a lot longer. <laughs> last The last nomination, the nomination before the last one that they had, Barack Obama, there was a position on the Supreme Court. And Barack Obama nominated a guy named Merrick Garland, who was a middle-of-the-road guy. He could swing either way. Yeah. Mitch McConnell, because he runs the Senate, refused for over a year to have a hearing for Garland Merrick. Refused to hold a hearing for over a year. There were eight people on the Supreme Court. Now, all of a sudden, this year, they got to get it through. they got to get it through fast. Oh, yeah. we got to vote on this. But listen to what McConnell said this week. He told a group of conservative politicians and and people at a conference that come hell or high water, Kavanaugh will be on the Supreme Court. So don't you worry about it. We're going to plow through and get this done. He hasn't even heard what Dr. Ford has said. Mm -hmm. So you know it's bullshit, folks. This is a bullshit hearing. Eleven grumpy bastard Republican men have already made up their minds. Mm. They haven't even heard her. They don't know what the evidence is. Also, a lot of witnesses in the Anita Hill case were interviewed. There was another guy in the room, 
a guy by the name of Mark Judge, when this guy, when Kavanaugh attempted to rape this woman, they will not call him up. They will not call any other witnesses. They're only going to have two witnesses, the woman and the judge. And you know why that is? Because it's going to come down to he said, she said. Mm. So that way they could just say, well, we happen to believe this guy. Did she report this at the time? No, she didn't. Now, Trump has weighed in on this, which is a total no-no. You do not do that. But naturally, Trump is an asshole, and he has weighed in, and he brought up that point. Why didn't she report it at the time? Are you kidding me? 77% of women that get raped and assaulted do not bring it up because they are afraid of being embarrassed. They're afraid of reliving the experience. They're afraid that nobody will believe them. Good and on it her. happens Good all on the her. time. She has come out of the woodwork. So she's finally come out good because on this her. is so important. Yeah, good on and her. And she is a very, like, nervous person. She's not, you know, she's camera shy. She doesn't get out in public. And you got to say this, okay? Whether you believe her or believe Kavanaugh, the judge, she wants an FBI investigation. The judge has not called for one. If you lie to an FBI agent, if you tell the smidgen of the false truth, that's five years. That's a federal crime. Mm. And she wants the FBI investigation, and nobody on the Republican side does. Nobody. So, you got to go, why is that? You've got 11 Republican men. Men. Why is it such a dick-swinging contest? Why are there so many men in American politics? Yeah, well, there you go. How many on the, on the Supreme... Uh, court, court nine, see, did you say? Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg, she's 85. There's, um, is that how old she is? Uh, yeah, she's 85. Wow. <laughs> she's, she's a tough gal, though. She's, she's oh, yeah. great. She's yeah, really yeah. a So they, they've got gal. a couple of women on the... They, on they the... got her. They got a gal named Soto, Soto Meyer. She's a Latino, and she's 50-something. And then they got one other. So I think they got three uh, on the Supreme Court. Of nine. Out of nine. They might have four. They wouldn't have any more than four. But that's, you know... You know, and on the Democratic side, there's a lot of uh, congressmen. But you know, the surprise. But, but on the but but none on the board. None on the Republican so side. They are they. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know what the Republicans also are going to do, which Dr. Ford has said she doesn't want. The, the the Republicans because of the way they acted and Orrin Hatch, you got it on film. He was a total jerk off to Anita Hill, mm. just a total jerk off. And you know, one of the things he said about Dr. Ford when she first came out with these allegations, he said, well, she might have been mixed up. Mm. That's their attitude. But the other thing is the Republicans now, because they know it's going to be a bad look, they're going to bring in a female prosecutor to question Dr. Ford. And she said, no, if you can't do it yourself, what's the point? You know, you're the ones that are supposed to get to the bottom of this. You're the ones that are going to vote on this guy. I, I, you know, I see straight through that because bringing a female in to question another oh. female, um, that, you know, that actually gives the female question a license to have more of an interrogation. Oh, oh yeah, she can, get, um, she can go right after them. They got no, exactly. they got no comeback because yep. it's a woman versus a woman. That's right. But this is, this is the epitome of dirty politics, and the Republicans are total jerk-offs, scum when it comes to this. You tell me, <laughs> a guy says that, we're gonna, that he's going to be nominated before she even gets to say a word. Yeah, and you know it's going to be a circus. I'm laughing at you, not at the situation. It's yeah. just well, it's, no, not, it's, it's, a, it's a bad situation. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible situation. Isn't it? yeah. But it, this week in America, 
that is going to be huge. I mean, you know, every time we do this in America, I don't know what the deal is here, but we have these Senate hearings publicly. We have the cameras in there, and it's always a media circus. But in this case, it's a one-sided media circus. I mean, it is, you know, I mean, they've already made up their minds. They're going to they're gonna nominate this guy. So this poor woman's going to come. She's going to test him. Well, you know, I you mean, know she was the victim back then. She is going to be the victim all over all again. again. They're going to well, drag I, her through the mud. Listen to this bullshit. And this is why people, once again, Donald Trump and all you asshole men that don't know why women don't come out and say something when this happens. 36 years later, she has said this, death threats against her and her family. She's had to move house because the asshole trolls in America have given out her address, her phone number, and she's in hiding. And that's one of the reasons why you don't want to, you got to think about, do you want to put your family through this? She has kids, you know, so mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad situation all around. Man, it is some place you're from. Yeah. Some well, place. You know, there's you know, good and bad everywhere. Good and bad. There's good and bad everywhere, John, but yeah, there's, this man, is, this is the bad. bad of the this bad. bad optics. Yeah. So, okay, Saturday Massacre. Okay, well, this is another thing that happened. Uh, you, know, I, you know, you can't say anything in, the, in Washington, D.C. without somebody writing it down. Rod Rosenstein is the uh, acting attorney general because Jeff Sessions, who was the attorney general, had to recuse himself from the Russia probe. So you got Rod mm -hmm. Rosenstein. He's the guy that appointed Robert Mueller as a special counsel to look into the Russia investigation, which Trump continually says is a witch hunt, which is kind of interesting since, you know, five of his closest associates have pleaded guilty to federal crimes. So the, the witches are falling. Mm. But anyway, so Rod Rosenstein, this is this happened last year. And this is the other thing in, in Washington, D.C. Leaks. Leaks. Everybody is blah, 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 blah. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows something. Everybody's talking. Everybody's leaking shit like it's going on stuff. So anyway, Rod Rosenstein had a meeting last year in May, May, May 7th, 2017, and in which he said that maybe he should wear a wire when he speaks with Trump, and maybe they should look at invoking the 25th Amendment. The 25th What's that? Amendment, the 25th Amendment. And there's no way you're going to invoke this. This is, I mean, impeachment is tough. The 25th Amendment is really, really tough. That is when the cabinet and Congress decide that the president is incapable of executing his duties. Like he's gone off his rocker. Or he's well, mentally ill. If they haven't done it yet, then I they're not going to. If they haven't, if they haven't, But anyway, so he says this in a meeting. And so Andrew McCabe, who was the director of the FBI at the time, was in the meeting. Mm. And if you know anything about the FBI agents or anything about the FBI, whenever they leave a meeting or talking with anybody, they immediately write down a memorandum of what went on, what was said. That's what they do. That's mm. just what they do. And mm. they file it because, you know, it's like it's like when I used to recruit for basketball many, many eons ago. I'd go to a high school gym and I'd see a player and I'd write down his name, all the stats, and what he did on that game that day and put a date on it. Yep. Because then at the end of the year, you're looking at the guys, you're going, oh, what the, hell, what the hell did that guy do? And you look at your notes, you go, okay, now it refreshes my memory. So that's what they do. They write memos all the time. Guess what? That memo got leaked this week. Who leaked it? Who knows why they leaked it? Man. You know? So all of a sudden, 
Trump has been wanting to fire Rosenstein the whole goddamn year that he's been in, in office because he wants to get rid of Mueller. And he's got to fire Rod, Rod Rosenstein because Rosenstein won't fire him. Mm. He's the only guy. Trump can't fire Mueller. He, he has to go through the attorney general to do it. So if he fires Rosenstein, fires Jeff Sessions, and puts some guy in there that will do his bidding, then maybe they'll get rid of Mueller. Maybe the, the probe... You know, it hits a road stop at that time. Now, this goes back, a Saturday Night Massacre, all the way back to Watergate in the 70s when Nixon was being tried and blah, blah, blah. On one Saturday night, that's what he did. He fired the uh, special prosecutor, Archibald Cox, and he fired two other people until he got to a guy that would eventually do his bidding and fire all these people. And that's what they call it, the Saturday Night Massacre. So You're fired. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, so, this is an excuse for Trump now because, you know, he's always paranoid about people wiretapping him man. anyway. So I'm so looking we're, down we're, the road, we're, maybe. So we're leaking like the 49ers defense and we're firing people like it's The Apprentice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oof. Now, the only thing that would put a roadblock in this is we're less than 60 days from the midterms which is when the House of Representatives and the Senate go up for re-election. And everybody's expecting the Democrats to have a blue wave and take over the House so that they'll be able to impeach Trump. But it's never guaranteed. I mean, voting things, I mean, polls are wrong, and they're wrong with Trump and, and Clinton. So, but if you fire all these people, that could give the Democrats the impetus to go out and vote against you. So mm -hmm. he may mm -hmm. hold off because of that. It's all political. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised in a, in a fit that he gets into that he fired everybody. Number three, at what price? At what at price? What well, price? you know, people keep talking about how the economy is great in America, and it is. You know, Trump tries to, tries to take full credit for it, and that's bullshit because Obama— well, What about his tax breaks? <laughs> his what? His tax breaks. Didn't he cut all the taxes and stimulate the economy? No, no. Now, he stimulated it like a very small margin, but 80% of that tax break went to 1% of the population, the rich mm. people. Mm. You know, Trump made millions off of that tax break. You know, it didn't help. You know, it didn't. It, it stimulated Republic, <coughs> Republican business a bit So right now. But so you give the, the credit to the economy, to the Obama administration? Well, from 2008 to when Obama got out, he raised the percentage of Dow Jones, our industrial complex, you know, the, mm. the stock market, 129%. Trump has so far raised it 29%. So you work it out. All right. Trump's doing a good job. It's going up. It's going. It hasn't gone down. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, doing yeah. its thing. But, you know, there's a good platform for where it went from right. to what he's doing. The thing is, though, okay, so he had the tax break, okay, for the rich people, but he also added a trillion dollars to the debt, a trillion and a half. Oh, yeah, he's spending, isn't he? He's spending yeah. like it's going out of style. The other thing is, though, the economy is going good, but part of the reason it's going good is because Trump has deregulated everything, mm. everything, and Republican business people like that. So you got all these Republican businesses with these huge factories. Now, all of a sudden, they're allowed to dump billions and billions of gallons of sewage into any river they want to because Trump has deregulated all our clean water. Obama mm -hmm. had, you know, environmental rules where you couldn't do that. And also, they're belching out so much carbon dioxide and gas and bullshit into the air because Trump doesn't believe in climate change. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what, at what price? You're making some more money. The economy's going good. But down the road, 
You're going to have massive problems with clean water and clean air. When those men finally realize, John, that they can't eat money, there'll be no. nothing left. No. There'll be I'll nothing. I'll give you one example of how to clean the air. Two examples of how to clean air. In uh, Los Angeles, you know, Los Angeles is, you know, historically very smoggy. Very, mm. very smoggy. Uh, what they did, they spent over a billion dollars synchronizing all their lights. Mm. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. But all of a sudden, all their lights were synchronized. Their smog emission went down 17%. Boom. Just like that. Because you're not having cars idling, belching out smoke. They're moving. It's, it's, oh, it's, they're traffic lights. They traffic synchronized lights. the traffic lights. All over the city. Yep. So that, you know, if you're on a boulevard, all the lights are going to go green and you just shoot right through. Mm. All right? You don't stop, you know, unless there's another car coming on the other way. You know, so that worked. In China, the, you know, China, I mean, we know that they have to clean up their their air it's it's just horrific you know and in mm. beijing they had a huge deficit increase in their smog because it only china could do not only china but china is able to do this they told all the people burning coal nope no more no more you burn coal for your business shut it down that's it <laughs> that's what they do that's what they, yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. what they do no more coal no that's more it. coal gone yeah uh, gone in the yeah. city if you're in the city limits you can't burn coal mm. And so, naturally, it went down. You know, we can't do so that. are you I mean, saying that the United States is becoming a much larger polluter oh, under to, this administration? Totally. You don't read about that. Totally under this administration. Mm. I mean, you know, we pulled out of the Paris uh, Climate Accord, you know, so we don't, we're not bound by anything. And that's what, you know, if you own a big factory and you're a fat cat, you're going to go, ah, bullshit, you know, just keep doing it. Keep doing it, making the money, making the money. Uh, oh, we're, we're dumping sewage into the rivers? Ah, well, don't worry about that. Jacinda Ardern's going over to Woo, the, yeah. the States, <laughs> yeah. And it's a UN thing, and yeah. Trump will be cheering the Security Council. The Security Council. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to listen to him yeah anyway if if she got within Kui of trump and she said look i might have a you know uh i'm not setting up any bilateral talks but i may run into him sure if 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 jacinda runs into him what would you want her to say to him oh god could you resign yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean what else are you gonna say mm. you know what else are you gonna say or i think jacinda might say something along the immigration lines because that's such a big thing here and mm. concerned mm. about people or she might say something about the climate change, mm. you know, something somewhere along those lines. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, mm. you could say whatever you want to Trump, and he's such a dick that he's not going to listen. Lock her up. I haven't heard that in a while. Uh, Are they still well, chanting this? Yes, that's what I'm saying. He was just at Missouri. He was at some other uh, in Las still Vegas. Getting them? He's, Hillary's gone. She's the gone. The election was over years ago. That's how. That's how more. You know, folks, if you're yelling "lock her up" at a Trump rally, which I've seen twice this week, you can't believe how asininely moronish you look to the world. You look like stupid friggin' idiots. Lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. And that's what they do. They're slavering, they're spitting. You know, it's a joke. Now I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give all you morons a tip, and I'm gonna give Trump a tip if you're listening, Donald. If you wanna lock her up, I would suggest, Donald, that you hire Hillary to be on your staff. Because half your goddamn staff is in jail, and if you hire her, then she might get put in jail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Outstanding. Mr. John Dibberg, a letter from America. This is the Weekend Variety Wireless, so I better get this man a glass of water. Radio, go, Radio Live. <laughs> Cheers, John. Thanks, Ryan. The Weekend Variety Wireless. 
This is the Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Auckland Art Week is coming up, and we're very lucky to have a special guest in the studio this evening. Penny Howard joins us with her exhibition, Mana Muse. Hi, Penny, how are you? Good, uh, good, thank you. Thank you for coming in. This is an exhibition about four very powerful women. Talk to me about, about how this came about. Um, well, I yeah, I, a lot of my um, painting for the last few years has been about my own family and my partner's family, and in particular, a lot of strong women through the, through that through them. Um, this year is the one twenty five suffrage year, and so I was mm. really um, kind of wanting to hook in with something there and think about who are some strong, influential, authentic, um, inspiring women that I would like to paint mm. and try and get hold of them and see if they'll connect with what I'm doing and say yes, yeah. It's it's a really cool exhibition, and I've I've been lucky enough to have a sneak peek of some of these um, of these artists or some of these portraits that you've done. Let's yeah. start with Marama Davidson, yeah. um, who you've painted on on what's a, a green background. And the first thing that strikes me about your your portraits is you're not framing people in the traditional rectangular. Uh, rectangular portrait. No. You're, you're using, I guess it's a little bit of an influence from your sculptural days that yeah. you like uh, painting on on what's interesting yeah. shapes. Yeah, cutouts and sort of shapes, uh, sort of silhouettes. I've been doing that for a while now. So I've always been interested in sculpture and painting and never been really one that likes being confined by squares <laughs> and rectangles. So um, yeah, I kind of feel like they're another, they're like a portal that you can move through quite often and things can slip and slide off the edge. And yeah, the frames that I've cut out, I cut out um, using a um, MDF and a jigsaw. So they're quite intense kind of cutouts. They're like cologne, old colonial frames. And then these women are painted across the top of them. So I kind of feel like um, they're all women that can't be contained by that stuff. They're too mm. amazing for that. They slip outside the edges and they go on to, you know, we can't contain them by that kind of frame. Yeah. Why Marama? Why did you choose Marama or did she choose you? Um, no, I've, I actually chose all of the women. Um, I ju- I've just, I've, I really love what she stands for, her values. I've, I know people that know her. Um, um, I know she does poetry. We talked about that. Um, I just think becoming the co-leader of Greens this mm. year was really significant for her, and I think her values and her vision for the country are really exciting. And, um, you know, we're sort of all around the same age group, and I, I just really... Um, yeah, like what she stands up for in terms of wahini, wahini toa, Māori woman, and the environment, you know, all things that are really important to me. Yeah. Our next subject is Anika Moore. This is a very striking painting. It's Anika Moore sitting down, playing her guitar uh, in a nude photo mm. with her tattoos almost stretching as a story uh, mm. from her arms across her shoulders. Yeah. Uh, this is very powerful and yeah. striking. Yeah, um, yeah. we um, had an initial conversation. So again with Anika, I contacted her, I showed her my work and said if you gel with it, I'd really love to do your portrait. Um, and And on that, note um Anika's just always been someone that I play a lot of music in my studio so she's been really influential to me in terms of being inspiring and amused when I'm playing I play music to paint to um so that was neat for me um we talked about how she wanted to be portrayed I I wanted all of these women to think about um you know what would my family say this was me I didn't want the kind of fan thing 
for for any of these women I wanted, mm. my 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 kids would say, yeah, that's mum. That's they're all mothers as well. So um, Anika, we had some other ideas. She definitely wanted her guitar, and when she turned up to do the pho- photographs for the portrait um, at my house, she just sort of said to me, hey, how do you feel about being me being nude? And I said, I just think that's, you know, that's amazing. It's so her. She's um, really generous and a really brave woman. And, mm. um, yeah, so, and it's it's beautiful. And I think um, the one of the main important things, like you said, was to showcase the tamoko that is right across the chest and down the arms. And that is her whakapapa and her family story and all of her family sits within that. So I think it's gentle and it's beautiful, yeah. I just, you touched on it very briefly there, but I want to explain band on on this is these subjects are very important people and you're trying to portray them but how much influence do they have when they sit down and talk to you about how you paint them because yes it's it's from your perspective yeah. but there's a certain sense that they want you to paint how they see themselves too yeah yeah i think traditionally the muse and especially males painting the muse um it was really, I think, often about them and about the painter, and the painting was almost a self-portrait of them because it was how they were posed and how they did it. So, mm. um, yeah, so I've really wanted them to have the influence to say, um, like um, Selena Tusi Talamasha's one is she's wearing her sunglasses. You know, I've talked about traditional portraiture, the eyes and things are really important. So that was mm. for me, twisting that around and thinking, cool, well, I need to think about what's important in that painting to make it stand out. And all of the things that I had conversations about with the woman have ended up in the paintings and, yeah, so you were, far they're happy with them. S- Selena Tusitala Marsh, yeah. she's she's on Waiheke Island. This, yeah. is, this is a blue sky background. She looks like she's running. Her, her hair is waving behind yeah. her. She's wearing her sunnies. Yeah. Um, she looks like she's on the move. Yeah, she and she is. And I think that was what I said to her, like even just um, nailing her down to get a portrait done. She's just been so busy being poet laureate this year and mum and working um, at the university as well and writing poetry and you know she's and when I went over to her she said yeah one of the things I've noticed the most about watching herself she's been on um, TV a couple of times this year and being filmed she said yeah the things you notice about yourself and she said I'm just always moving mm. and then you know her relaxation again is moving so I said well what's you know what what gets you out of your headspace when do you feel most Selena and she said it's I run on Waiheke I run every day I run at night I run in the day come and photograph me running and see how you go <laughs> so you know so we had about two hours on Waiheke um, managed to fit in a glass of wine as well before before I had to race back and pick my kids up from school. So we had this really cool, um, yeah, mum's multitasking moment. (laughs) So in terms of Selena, you took a photo and then obviously went back to your studio and and painted it. With Anika, did she sort of come in and just sit there and sit still? Or again, is it a a photo and then a painting? Yeah, a photo. So I do work from photos and I guess traditional portraiture in the old days, you've got your um, muse to sit there for nights and nights on end and Mm. um, none of us have the luxury of that. So generally I work from a photo and I'll blow it up large scale so I'm getting it really, um, they're really deep. I I really want all the detail in them. I want um, to not miss a detail. So they really are very detailed and yeah. So Anika just sat there, played me a guitar. We tried a couple of different things 
and um, yeah, just got the shots. I'm not a great photographer either, so I've got to make the most of what I do <laughs> in that time span to span to paint from. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm wondering if the the when you took the photo of Anika, the light source in the painting seems to be behind her. It's like the light's yeah. shining behind her. Was yeah. that just how it was in the photo, or did, did you purposely look? It put actually the light just all of these paintings and the photos that I've taken have just been really cosmic. They've just happened and they've yeah. happened well. And yes, I take a whole heap mm. and in different positions but that's um just strictly talking about being a painter and paint I love when the light hits the edge of something and and so mm. I was hell yes sometimes we have happy accidents and things just work out but also I have I have the belief with my work that things will and if they're not working out it's not meant to be a painting so yeah something always snaps in and there's been really nice synapses across um, all of our conversations, um, yeah, and, and then the resulting artworks. Sia Fagal is the fourth of the portraits mm. I'd like to discuss. Sia is sitting there with owls. Now, tell us a little bit about Sia, for those yeah. of her that, that, us that don't know yeah. her, and what's the significance of her sitting there with two owls? Yeah, Sia Fagal is um, an amazing um, contemporary Samoan novelist and poet, and she does artwork. Um, she's lived in America for a number of years, but I managed to um, capture her when she was back here for a few weeks promoting her new book, Free Love. She is just... Um, for me she's just amazing she pushes the boundaries of writing of taboo subjects of sexuality um and from a Samoan perspective it's it's very brave writing but it's humorous she's funny and captivating and mm. um she's got you know the owls um are important to her they're important in her writing they're in um Samoa they're like a, a a god for her family but when she first saw them um, it was funny, we had text messages backwards and forwards because she'd moved to Samoa and I was just showing them snippets before I showed them mm. the whole portraits because it's a bit nerve-wracking for me. She saw um, the little bit of the owl and then you get the dot, dot, dot and she wrote, it's not an owl and it was dot, dot, dot for ages and I'm thinking, oh my God, I've got the wrong owl, I haven't got the Samoan <laughs> owl, what have I done? And then dot, 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 she goes, it's a goddess. <laughs> you know, I'm so happy, so... Yeah, they're important. And also we had this conversation around Klimt, Klimt and his owls, um, the painter, and it was a it was a brief conversation, but it really kind of I just, it just stuck with me. So I went and looked at how those owls were posed and tried to do that within her portrait. Yeah. How big are these portraits? Are they something you know smaller you'd put on your wall, or, yeah. or do they get quite large? No, they're life size. I like painting life size. Um, so all of the actual women in them, wherever they are, so if it's the whole torso or just the head and shoulders, it's life size. So yeah, with Selena's one. We've got most of her in it, um, and her her poet laureate Toku Toku. So it's it's big. It's sort of a meter and a half across. So yeah, there's a lot of work in them. <laughs> so yes, there's only four, but there is hours and hours of work and in what, each portrait. What sort of time would you spend on 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 each one? It's so hard to quantify it because for for a start, it's just the ideas and the thinking and the waking at two a.m. and having that I <laughs> that thought and going yeah, that's it. But then it's the physical time and mm. the more I do when I'm on a roll my my partner Doug often says Penny you've hit your straps I mm. can see you, you're on your way now you're doing great you're zone. going fast and I'm in the zone so yeah. when you've been so each consequent portrait um they're 
yeah, sorry, the each following portrait is faster. But then in saying that, um, I was just thinking about Marama's the other day because she's been the last one. <laughs> And yeah, I, I sort of had the time space between the kids being at school and it was six hours on the face and then um, worked till four in the morning for another eight hours later on after dinner time. And that was just the face. So that's, there is, yeah, there's weeks of work in each, in each yeah. You've, you've chosen four women, uh, Māori and Pacific Island mm. descent for yeah. all four of them. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell you about one of my favourite paintings, and, and that's um, Charles Goldie's The Widow from 1903 with yeah. uh, Harata Tarapata. And you sort of look at this painting, and she's expressing a sorrow and looking down, and it's almost mm. like Goldie's being nostalgic mm. uh, about Māoridom at, at that particular time. Yeah. Um, I think it's at the Toy Art Exhibition at the yes. moment at Te Papa. Yeah. Beautiful painting. Stood in front of it and just watched it and, yep. the, and the detail. Yeah. Um, that's a, a painting that stands out for me. What are mm. some of your influences in terms of what's behind looking at, firstly, an Indigenous, mm. uh, all Indigenous mm. subjects, mm. and then influences in terms of how you paint? I think, um, interesting that you mentioned Goldie, because ever since I was at art school, I used to go and sit in the Goldie room, and it was somewhere I just loved to go. And um, I am... Um, part Māori, so on my father's side, um, Ngā Pui Te Mahurihuri, and I knew that mm. um, Ina Te Papatahi was Ngā Pui, and I didn't have Got a that. photo of my grandmother, I used to sit in front of her all the time, and I was just completely captivated, I used to write poems to her, So, and I think the thing was, it's the, um, it's the emotion that sits in those, I, mm. I think they've become taonga for a lot of, you know, the whānau that that those ancestors are from Absolutely, now. and Godfrey Lindau too. Definitely, and on, honestly, it makes me cry. I went, um, it was a couple of years ago, it was back in Auckland, and I went to see it specifically. I stood in front of it and burst into tears. There's just always been this connection. And so for me, that I, you know, I I put a lot of love into to the work, a lot of feeling, and I want people to feel connected to whoever I'm painting or whatever the story is, to find their own connections and maybe say, hey, you know, who are important, inspiring women to me or who in my family is inspiring or important and how do I want to talk about them or remember them? We're talking with Penny Howard in regards to an exhibition at White Space. That's an art gallery in Grey Lynn on Monmouth Street running from the 30th of September to the 26th of October. A special preview next weekend on Sunday afternoon. Uh, but I'm sure if you Google Penny Howard in White Space, you'll be able to find out more information. A lot of work goes into the to this, and often with many artists, they get to the end of what they're doing, yeah. and they really enjoy it. And I can tell that there is a lot of emotion and time yeah. and effort that have gone into yeah. these. And then when you get to the end, you're yeah. almost like, "Oh man, I, I missed that. I, that yeah. was such a great project to work on." Um, Thank you for saying that. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what yeah. is next? Have you got yeah. an inkling of, of what you're going to do um, next or, or where this has, has potentially taken you in terms of your journey as an artist? You're right. And what, what I'd like to immediately say is, and I don't think a lot of artists talk about it, but I did talk about it. I remember talking about it with Anika when I met her too. It's that thing of you have this build up and then there's almost a crashing down because it's done and you've mm. filled your days up like quite crazily so doing this really creative thing and then there is a bit of a low and a bit of a crash and I don't mm. think that artists have to be careful about depression and things with 
with that stuff and that's right and so it's really important to look forward to what is next what's the next thing so um for me i'm i'm not a hundred percent sure i um i i'm really enjoying painting these women and i Mm. would kind of like to keep going and find some more and and also you know um I I enjoy doing commissions as well. I enjoy if people come to me and say, can you paint my story? Because it gives me a break sometimes from the quite intense relationship of painting your own family stories and your own family history. So, yeah, so that, that might be something. Otherwise, I'll sit down and I'll go back to the drawing board and wait for the muse to hit. And, literally, um, the drawing board, literally. Yeah, and the research <laughs> board. There's so much yeah. research behind my work. So it's sometimes just coming up with an idea, getting the research going first and then figuring out getting excited and finding out what you want to paint. Yeah. Where do you work? Have you got a studio? Um, yeah, I ha- I kind of do. I um, have a studio that got completely flooded out last year and was a bit yuck under the house. So, mm. um, And it's cold and damp like a lot of rental houses. So I um, pretty much work inside and there's been a long tradition of women that work on the kitchen table and that happens, you know, they're big works but... The kids are used to having me tell them off for not going too close to them, or yeah. So a lot of it happens in the lounge, in the kitchen, and you know wherever I can. Yeah. And just finally, uh, and touching on what's been a really cool theme this last week with the celebration 125 years of women's suffrage. Yeah. What's it like for you being a woman in New Zealand in 2018? Yeah. And there's a lot to be proud of in terms yeah. of these four portraits, but yeah. what can we do better? Yeah, um, that's really interesting. I think um, I think I've been lucky. I've got um, a great family and a wonderful partner, and so I feel very supported. But um, yeah, there's um, and I've got a gallery that supports women artists, and that's important. Like you see that mm. across the world, that so many female artists aren't supported or acknowledged or put places. So yeah, I think there's still a long way to go with a lot of that stuff. But I think having um, you know having Jacinda being our Prime Minister and having a baby and all of that stuff I mean I just I'm really excited about the future for women I think we're finally getting a platform where there is equality I just think it's equality that's that's what we need you know equality in wages and equality in payment in the arts all sorts of things yeah Penny Howard Mana Muse at the White Space Gallery in Grey Lynn This is a really cool exhibition and no doubt all of your subjects can be very proud of the uh, the work you've done for them. What sort of happens to these paintings? What happens? Do they get to Um, keep them or are they they your property? It's a tricky one. See, because I'm I'm with a gallery, no, we sell... We sell work, so I have yeah. to make a living at the end of the day yeah. somehow. But equally, I find that kind of awkward as well. Um, I um, my, my first portrait I did um, a few years back, which was in the Portrait Awards and toured around New Zealand, was of Albert Went. Mm. And um, and I'd said to Al at the time, look, you know, I'll give you that. He said, no, go make some money off it, which yeah, was yeah. lovely. When it finally finished touring, unbeknownst to me, his daughter bought it. So it meant the world to me that... It yeah, ended cool. up in his family and it's a prized possession. So with these works too, we, we will just see. Selena has already asked um, 
the New Zealand, um, the Library of New Zealand, she wants it as her official poet laureate portrait. So she's been <laughs> she's been great in getting out there to to Papa in different places and saying, "Hey, this is me, guys. I I want this in a public space." So public spaces are awesome. If you can get stuff there, then it helps the person that you've painted as well. Mm, yeah. But it helps both your profiles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Penny Howard, thanks very much for coming in and best of luck with the exhibition starting next Sunday. You're welcome, thank you so much. Kia ora. this is the Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. The Weekend Variety Wireless. The latest from News Hub at 11 o'clock is fast approaching here on Radio Live. After 11, Graham Hill and John McChrystal revisit the shipwreck tale of the Rose Noel from 1989. Do stay tuned for a fascinating story. Uh, wow. They were stuck on that for a long time. Looking forward to this story from the archives with Graham and John. That's after the news at 11 o'clock. Ryan Bradley wishing you good evening.